Hello and welcome to another episode of Quartz Talks where I talk about everything and anything of interest to me whether that be political, economic, social, technological, legal, environmental, cultural, ethical, you name it, I'll speak about it and today's episode is I think a mixture, I wanted to talk about cultural production right and the idea that we should always be invested in art because it reflects the times you know life imitates art art imitates life and um but we also need to document it like i made this podcast to just talk about things of interest to me because i knew i had a lot on my mind i didn't have the vessel to share it and um i would forget it if i didn't record it so instead of making it just for myself i put it public just in case someone wants to hear me out but um i just recently watched a documentary called clive david uh, well, it's not called Clive Davis, it was about Clive Davis. It was on uh, Netflix. And I already knew Clive Davis had a phenomenal career. I watched the David Foster documentary that was very similar to that, talking about basically the guys behind the zine, scenes, you know, the executives, the producers, the people that make the music happen, but you just never see. I know that no um, artist has ever done it alone. So I'm always curious as to who helped facilitate that. And Clive was one of those individuals who made a lot of people's careers happen from Rod Stewart to Barry Manilow. Bear in mind I thought they were the same person at one point, but they're not. Um obviously the magnificent Whitney Houston, um you've got your Annie Lennoxes, your God, there's a lot more. Why is it just leaving my mind? Um your there were a lot of bands. Uh, oh Alicia Keys uh, Aretha Franklin's, uh, I'm just remembering, remembering the black guys, I'm hardly remembering the white guys, Maroon 5, uh, there were a lot of rock bands, uh, Carrie Underwood, Kelly Clarkson, uh, Janis Joplin, uh, Patti Smith, artists that you just never would expect perhaps to have been so successful in the industry he heard something in their voices and decided to make something of them. And um, I always wonder, you know, what's the UK equivalent? Are there a UK equivalent? Should we be looking for one? I don't want to be that person that compares, but I'm very aware of the fact that if you don't record your history, it gets lost and then people just deny you because they don't remember it, they didn't see it, they're not aware of it. So I love documentaries like these that really just tell you the truth about what's been going on in the community. But um, I'm very, 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 very... uh, shocked about how committed a lot of our people are to erasure i think it's because of the very uh transient nature of social media whereby you can have something that exists on the net and yes anything that exists on the net exists forever but you could just delete it and it not really matter anymore whereas you know a movie will always be a movie and it's dated to the time that it existed so whatever was acceptable then or maybe it wasn't acceptable but got the green light will be able to be referred to i always think of like what's going to be referred to in the edit cell history paper of the future um and what sources will they use because they're going to use magazine clippings and articles they're going to use um, movies and and films and songs so it matters what we say if not for now then later and sometimes i am embarrassed when i'm saying this stuff and i feel like people don't care but you have to be a future thinker you have to be a futurist you know um, I feel like these past few days I've been thinking so much. Like I was online seeing how artists like um, 
Ari Lennox, who's an African American singer who went back to Ghana, and of course, I know the PR for Ghana <clears throat> is very much, um, I would say, artificial to some extent um, because it's painting a metropolis of sorts in Accra. But of course, naturally, there are many political issues, including. Um, conflict with LGBTQ plus communities in terms of them getting their rights and issues with infrastructure and transport with roads and payments and just poor living wages and it, it all exists not to, not of the fault of western diasporans that includes African Americans that includes black Brits but for some reason some people are just so committed to making everyone feel miserable and not having any semblance of joy I don't know what people want black people to do, particularly black people in the West, because yes, we're living on enemy's land, but no, we don't have the claim to our former identities the way our parents did when they were born back home, the way our forefathers did if they were um, shipped for the slavery. There's just so much that we just don't have claim to. And I wouldn't use the word privilege, I would just say claim, you know. There's the running joke that, you know, you can't speak true, you're not real Ghanaian, blah, blah, blah. I like to live my life. I like to do what I want. I like to be aware of the politics, but I also have to understand that even my favourite activist rested, even my favourite activist enjoyed. You know, my Nina Simone was in Liberia chilling with Nelson Mandela's wife. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't always a case of sitting in struggle but I feel like people think that the more struggle you've gone through the more theory you've read the more the, the, suddenly the more wisened you are the more ethical you are by design like race ain't the benefactor of struggle of course race relates to struggle of course it disproportionately affects you but the idea that because you are a certain complexion and because you're a certain race your whole life is just going to be shrouded in misery it's not a fair obligation to make when even the worst of the worst atrocities in the planet still produced resilient people who found joy in refugee camps in uh, on on plantation fields um in prisons like you have you your human being you naturally find some form of entertainment to to make yourself sane you know and so i feel like people need to stop doing this thing of, you know, you're not allowed to have fun, you're not allowed to have joy because of your people's background and your background. Like, how dare you? That's, like, the biggest affront to humanity, and that's what we all are at the end of the day. So, you know, when people say everyone deserves love, everyone deserves joy, then some people put a, uh, a thing in, um, a disclaimer that, oh, no, not some people. I don't even subscribe to that because the way I see it, I'm not the one to reduce anybody's joy. That's God's job, right? That's God's minimization. Because the way people are so hell-bent on classifying people as less moral or more moral or less worthy or more worthy, it's not me that's going to do that. He who is without sin will cast the first stone. I have a lot of sin. I'm not casting any stones. I'm living my life. I am just doing what I need to do and constantly trying to remove myself from this online hellscape of ideas and thoughts and feelings that don't actually reflect um, the people you know, because even the people that you're talking about find moments of joy that don't constantly reckon with their identity politic or their um, oppressions, because you have to 
Um, otherwise, you will succumb, and plenty of people do succumb. We see it in the mental health crisis, um, and. I feel like people are not going to realise it till in 10 years. Someone asks them, what were you doing 10 years ago? They're so stubborn. They really think this stuff is going to be the major life force forever. It's not. All these apps are either going to get replaced or people are just going to move further online and just remove themselves from reality to the point whereby they're not even in connection with um, in-person communities and with loneliness on the rise and an epidemic of of incel and weird femininity behavior coming to the fore you can't help but realize that we're slowly in a social we're slowly entering a social dearth that people really think will be patched over with more technology when what really needs to happen is people need to get back to core humanity right and that doesn't mean you know reverse covid and stop the restrictions that absolutely means connecting with those that you can connect with conceivably because i'm not one to tell somebody you know oh you live far um go and travel miles and miles to see people oh you live in a non-diverse community connect with those that oppress you nobody is saying that i understand fully why people choose digital communities because the people that are in person might not be um people that respect their life values um sexuality race religion uh disability i'm fully aware of that i always say where possible i encourage people to really go out in person feel the breeze on your back talk to your friend let you hug a mate like let somebody lie down with you it sounds so ridiculous but it's so important to get back to feeling things and people I don't really often feel that much you know I'm always numb so to be emotional is 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 a journey for me and I find that when I'm listening to music the lights are dark um I've got maybe a bit of alcohol in my system that's when I'm in the best place possible because I'm really in touch with my body at those times. You know, usually I'm very reflexive, um, very anxious, on edge. But when I've got these intoxicating uh, substances in my body, I, I let loose, I relax more, and I'm more in touch with my senses. So lights, touch, um sensations you know that word sensational is not just um a a, a dictionary phrase it really is about being in touch with your audit auditory and and your visual and your taste and your touch and your smell like it, it it forces you to engage with those and um i know that's why people even go to substance abuse and recreational drugs because it says it's said to heighten those experiences and personally I'm not really for that just because I feel like I probably have some underlying issues that would be triggered even further with um intoxicating substances so I'll stick to small small alcohol and dark nights and bright um um spotlights once in a while even though I hate spotlights I realize that they do change my brain a bit so um, they're good in some doses. Uh, they distress me, but they force me to feel. And um, yeah, alcohol is my drug of choice. 
<laughs> but even then I'm not a heavy drinker I drink like once a month and that will be like the most I drink maximum twice like I'm not going out weekly just to get drunk and um I cherish that but I'm also well aware of the fact that I want people to really just connect with people in person not communicate online get back to dealing with um realities that are on the ground and in front of their face and where their hands can touch and not constantly through a bloody screen doesn't make it any less legitimate that it's through the screen but it can make you feel really helpless and the consumption of content in this continuous stream without breaks is it's ruining people's mental health how can you survive and come above water when someone is constantly dunking you down every time you dip your head like, I always tell people, you know, when, they, when they're when asking me, so how do you do it? How do you remove yourself from your phone? Because I'll delete an app and I won't come back for six months. Or I'll just delete WhatsApp and I just won't speak to people for a while. Or I'll just call them or whatever. Or giving them a heads up about what I'm doing and not to worry. I just need space. In that time, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm taking walks. I'm cooking meals. I'm calling and meeting friends. I'm getting my hair washed. I'm washing my own hair, I'm reading a book, I'm journaling my thoughts, I'm going to events. I'm escaping into the world in a way that my phone could do, but I'd rather just do it in person, you know? And um, you're screaming into a void. And it's okay if you don't want a response, but I think a lot of people do want a response. I think that a lot of people do want attention, and there's nothing wrong with seeking attention. I always tell people that, but you have to ask yourself about your appetite attention is it something that can be surfeited is it from the person you want while you're just trying to fill these voids with other people these are questions you have to ask because otherwise what happens is your your declarations become fruitless and another thing I want to say is that I feel like a lot of social media encourages people to be so self-obsessed they become super critical and constantly um need to assess themselves in a way that isn't necessary or humane you, know, you don't have to look at your image the selfie you took today and analyze every bloody angle of your face and not expect to manufacture insecurities and not expect to become super aware of your um imperfections it's natural it's expected what 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 else do you expect you know and um the pressure to keep up doesn't make sense. The people are afraid to wear the same hairstyle, the same outfit in case someone pictures them in it. Clothes were meant to be worn. Clothes were meant to be reworn. If you washed it and it's clean, don't feel ashamed for rewearing it. You know, people say, oh, you know, there's a new thing that we could just do, we could just rent. Oh, how about us not buying new clothes? How about rewearing the item? There's so many days in a year looking for activities to wear clothes to. She'll tell you that maybe you don't need the clothing in the first place. We are a super consumerist society that overshare far too much and then wonder why we lack boundaries and our relationships are failing. And to be honest, I don't think the relationships are failing any more than they used to. It's always been like this, but it's super magnified and it's happening to people younger and younger. Like they're trading the real world for the online world. And that's leading to a radicalization that um, there aren't checks and balances for because governments can't really intervene in the kid who is posting... Uh, suicidal posts on reddit or um producing harmful incel content on youtube you know 
And these are things that I'm not saying I'd rather these stay in a journal because if they're in a journal, someone could become a, a lone killer. But what I'm trying to say is sometimes these spaces magnify and perpetuate and confirm people's uh, negative ideologies instead of actually checking and balancing them and doubling down because other people feel the same and that communal environment encourages it legitimizes how you feel when you know you're not the only one that feels like this even if it's not rash even if it's not rational you feel like it's worth um acting on I feel like I don't ever want to stigmatise feelings. I just want people to deal with those feelings. And I don't feel like a lot of these spaces encourage you to deal with these feelings healthily. They just seem to veer into real harm for the individual who is facing um, these feelings. And um, and I guess that says a lot about the mental health services in this country because there really should be services that allow you to um, realise that what you're feeling is not normal and is not healthy and that there are ways to come out of it. But I don't think that's what's happening at all. I just think that other people who are damaged are verifying and validating other damaged people on a consistent basis. And um, because of that groupthink effect, they all think they're right, you know? But that's not how things operate in the day-to-day world because the politics of theory don't always apply. Sometimes you do need to actually go out into the real world and see other people. And, um, yeah, the metaverse is not a place that I'll be entering personally. If this is the last generation that actually gives a damn about human and social interaction in person, then I'm glad to be a part of it because I don't want to be on this, uh, in this highly technological environment where people don't know how to connect with others. Like, they don't know how to greet. Um, they don't know how to be private. They don't know how to keep things to themselves. They don't know how to just say, you know what, I'm taking this image and I'm keeping it in my photo album and no one else is going to see this, you know? except the ones I care about, not a bunch of people online that I don't know, you know. Um, I'm not going to ruin or disrupt this moment by constantly having my phone out, filming things when I really should just be, um, well, living in the moment once in a while, letting someone else take an image of me for a moment, not dwelling, you know. It takes a lot of pride to just be able to say, you know, I'm going to have this meal with my mate, we're going to put our phones down and we're just going to talk it out. Go for a walk. It doesn't have to be money spent. I'm a big believer in, like, budget-friendly leisure. Everyone thinks that the events I go to must cost so much money. They don't. Like, I go to public art centres that cost 10 quid a piece and it's one or two a month. And um, on the other weeks, I'll go to eat less than 10, 20 quids with my mates, go for a hot drink at a cafe, it's never so insurmountably expensive that I'm spending bills every day, you know? And um, I think it's something that we're losing. And I can't make people change, but I just really don't know what's going to happen for the next generation. And I just want people to be more in the moment, especially when it comes to intimate events like weddings and 
not to swap it with a selfie is so rude. It looks like it's calm because I want to document myself in this moment, but it's also somebody else's moment, and that's okay, you know. Um, you can sit there and absorb it, and then take a picture afterwards. You know, it, I'm sure they that person has hired a personal photographer that will document that light fixture. You don't have to put it on your personal phone, but it's the whole "I was there" moment that people are so afraid of. That's why I really enjoyed the Adele concert because it forced you to just say I was there and if you weren't there I'm sorry you know what I mean um I don't want to be the person on the soapbox but I just want people to be way more aware of their online presence and um realize that the internet is a commons and not some personal right and people watching you they're not always your mates and some of them do wish you harm you don't have to share your job, your birthday, your location, your family, your friends, your car, your government name, unless, of course, you are threatening harm to somebody else and that deserves to be revealed. But just in general, when you're getting to know people, I'm trying my utmost not to fall into that trap of basically telling everybody you know, what career I'm in and where I'm going because it's nobody's business. It's nobody's business. Like, um, I want to... do everything I want to do with minimal harm to other people but I really am worried about especially the future of black Brits you know um with issues related to citizenship healthcare, employment work pensions education housing um it feels like a very precarious existence that we are living in and with our very small population almost negligible and our rates of assimilation and as they say in quotations social mobility it makes me wonder uh, how and where we will be in 20 to 30 years you know I don't like this word preservation but I do believe in like I said at the beginning documentation of the people here and if they're saying that there aren't records of windwash um generation generational immigrants and they are not televising black people on screen and um and I'm not a representational band I don't believe these are things will necessarily um free us because they won't but just these ideas that we were never here there's a slow erasure occurring then how does my kid go on to see themselves if I do decide to have one in this climate, in this country, beyond myself, where is the record of me entering um, British society and being a part of it, you know? Um, I do think that Black Brits will become more like African-Americans in 30 to, five, 30 to 50 years. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I think African-Americans have a very rich culture, which people would stop mocking them. Um, do I think they have a Western saviour complex a lot of the time? yeah just like black brits um but i don't think that that's enough reason to discredit them they have their own music they have their own food it's not the same as the africans that they descend from in slavery the same way afro-caribbeans have their own identity and afro um latinos have their own identity it's important to identify um what makes up a culture and that's usually you know cuisine that's religion that's clothing that's um 
music and black Americans, African Americans have made it their mission to make, as they say, like culture, a commodity, an artifact. And it's so funny, right? Because Kojo Karam, uh, he's a writer. He wrote an article about um, the right, you know, the writers in the politics, right-wing politicians or the right-wing people. Um, they they get culture wrong because they see culture as a monument and he describes it instead as a living thing. And I really like that analogy because I remember reading an article on the New York Times about a woman who said, um, you want a monument? My body is the monument. And she was talking about the the toppling of like a confederate statue and the fact is is that the existence of black people on this earth right in western societies particularly britain and um america but also france is all the example you need of you know your great late imperialist leaders right the ones that you want to revere so badly oh um, he did good things yeah I'm sure he did good things right um, you don't need a statue of him if you do choose to keep the statue of him you need to understand that his history is undeniably intertwined with racism negativity and there's nothing you can do about it nothing like there's nothing there's no point denying it it's accepting it and either compensating people for it or um not refusing to acknowledge it when it's brought up you know because again it becomes this conversation of morality but it goes so much further than that like it is not tit for tat this is not one upmanship on a uh social media networking app this is about individuals who are the descendants of grave injustices and imperialist efforts by leaders who in asking for acknowledgement or rectification of this injustice or mistake are constantly being lied to gaslighted and refused you know and and we talk about a mental health crisis right of people not having their their experiences validated and we've got this is race-based it it becomes a whole community-wide approach because every time we complain it feels like we're going back because it feels like we're regressing we've got people online talking about the value of women like it's like economic policy it's not human it's i don't know where we've become like this but it's the variables in question nowadays when people are deciding to do something have nothing to do with heart or humanity unless they're trying to avoid um the economy and the economics of things because it's just like a um a cop-out and when they do focus on the economy they they allocate it to things that do require humanity it's like, okay, we're going to see human beings, i.e. women or black people, as as economic tools. But then when we want to 
preserve the economy during the pandemic, everyone should go to the office and risk their lives because the economy means more. It's so strange. It's like, so which is it? It's not even linear. It's annoying. And um, I'm struggling to get my head around it because I get what capitalism is. I understand it. Um, but I'm just shocked at how, I guess, bad it's gotten, you know? Um, but whatever, I'm going to keep to my privacy. I'm going to honour myself, yeah? And make sure that no one under 18 will ever be posted on any of my social media. Um, I personally am not going to overshare any of my personal life on these apps. Just because I don't think it's healthy. And I think everyone deserves boundaries. And a bit of mystery of their lives. Um, It's healthy to have boundaries in your uh, personal life. But... um, Knowing when to share is also important, so I'm working on that just to be a more expressive human being, not just journaling and not just keeping things to my keeping things to myself, but definitely sharing when necessary, and um, hopefully in person because it's just as as difficult as it is. Again, we can't deny uh, human connection. Um, I feel like Black Brits in the grand scheme of the world are are nominal, negligible and um, that's because a lot of our history hasn't been recorded and I'm not opposed to not recording work or efforts traditionally just because you know I'm from Ghana and everything was oral back in our society so I don't believe something has to be written to be legitimate as Michael Jackson said just because it's in print doesn't mean it's the gospel hence this podcast but I'm also well aware that the things that um are seen as the most legitimate tend to be the things of the written word you know there was this big thing years ago where if you couldn't write you were basically not seen as smart you know Uh, the issue of dyslexia was major you could communicate verbally that was fine but if you couldn't write what you felt or produce a piece of text in uh, an exam and your expression wasn't immaculate, then it's like you weren't smart. And that's ridiculous, of course. But articulation is such a big thing. You have to worry about form all the time, structure all the time. But um, we're becoming an audiovisual generation. So... Presenting things in the way that's most understandable to the majority of the population is my forte. So that's why I made this podcast and will likely make YouTube videos in the future. Just because I think it's necessary to really tap into uh, all of our senses, right? Um, So I'm... I'm 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 aware of how content the content machine works. I've seen influencers being paid to produce stuff. I saw quite recently um an individual by the name of Eve Cornwell, who is what they call a law influencer, so a woman who was working in the law and 
was essentially making money for marketing the law to uh, young people, not just young people, but to her audience. And I don't even know if that was her, whether that was her initial plan. I don't know if a lot of student YouTubers intend to become uh, quasi, uh, whether they intend to become quasi marketeers for graduate recruitment and HR, um, especially when you yourself might not even be certain or have never had any work experience or minimal work experience in your life. But what I can say is that it's happening. And she got a lot of backlash on platforms like Reddit and Roll on Friday, basically slamming her for ever entering the law because it's like, what's the point? And the law is just a very snooty industry. People are very uppity and and turn their nose up to certain universities and certain backgrounds and whatever. I Once you realise what you're doing as a lawyer and you kind of accept it, you will go further than trying to change it. Like, I don't see the point in trying to edit it. It's been like this for years and years and years, um, and it's not going to end. So you kind of get with a programme or you leave, you know? And she made a good point in her, I guess, departing... LinkedIn post when she said she decided she wanted to be um, a builder and not an advisor and I think that's what people need to understand is that a lot of industries that we do exist in as um, young people growing up tends to just be advising the rich on how to stay richer right whether you're in consulting auditing assurance um accounting you're trying to get people to preserve their wealth and these individuals have legacy money and that money is often even related to slave money and you're just helping them find ways to maintain it and make it grow and that's through expert advice so you get these graduate recruitment hr teams i don't want to even say targeting because that's such a loaded word but that's how it feels um young people with big pay packets and shiny words that they are going to get upon two to three years of qualification if they're ready to sacrifice their days for so-and-so client. All they have to do is learn every single thing about the firm come across very personable and get stellar grades you know and um although the tides have turned a bit in terms of you know online it might seem like everyone's very left-wing and nobody works for corporate exploitative industry the fact is is that even the third sector is connected to these industries you know it's unavoidable every i think the very interesting thing i learned and i wasn't that fantastic at trusts law but like trust and equities law sorry but every event I go to right whether it's a public art center or a gallery or an exhibition is always funded by some kind of trust and that trust is um has a settler and that settler tends to be a HNWI which is a high net worth individual who probably has a very large stake in a corporate exploitative industry and has decided to funnel some of the money into some philanthropic efforts that is either completely charitable or at least 
um, arts and culture based. So there, there is no removing yourself from these um, entities or individuals. Even as a self-employed person, if your business becomes big enough, you will likely get swallowed and acquired by a larger parent company and or merge with another company that will uh, that will change the inner workings of your company that may have been very ethical and had um great returns and was quite small but upon enlargement has to involve quite grotesque um, practices such as um, poorly paid labour and lower quality items and a lack of ethics in sourcing, you know, so you can't really win whether you're a global development graduate who loves geography and cares about the world and the planet or a law student that did a master's in commercial and plans to qualify into capital markets, you know. The point is that these industries go far back and almost all of them are related to exploitative practices from the 18 and 1900s that were inextricably linked to slavery, inextricably linked to um, sugar and tea trades and ships and very much built upon the backs of working class or enslaved individuals because that was just a way to make the most money not to pay the people that produced the um the, the product or offered the service so that's unavoidable and that's again not the defeatist mindset that I think a lot of people presume when I'm sharing this it's just to know that this is how it is this is the history you can't avoid it but you can do your best to rectify it by calling for you know change with activism with pro bono with challenge and sometimes the law can be your friend but I do always mention that law is a construct of um, the times and the people and the power so the decisions it makes is are not always based on morality or economic sense people just presume lawmakers are very rational law tries to be rational in some spaces but in others it's not it's very fragmented it doesn't always keep up with the times and you have to be aware of that and your case might be your first instance case and um you have to argue a, a novel creative take to the law and the fact is is that those kind of approaches to the law are not what is being encouraged of graduates because that's more a human rights space that is not that well propped up in the UK Um, because there's not much money in it really but everyone loves a good contract lawyer everyone loves a good commercial lawyer because that's what gets the UK going it's professional services it's it's commerce it's it's money and finance and how to maintain it and how to continue making it so you'll find that most people will just become commercial finance lawyers you know because again that's where the money is professional services making rich people richer 
and it just comes down to what you want to do so it's it comes back to your ethics but like I said just by design the identification of a black wrestler feel like we exist as juxtapositions you know we are walking hypocrites there's nothing that we can do that's that's morally correct because everything we do builds the economy of people that aren't us I try my best to you know pay aunties to do my hair and and do my food and buy things from black owned businesses but I still know that black capitalism is not the answer but I just feel like a little bit more money in my society in my community is helpful for me morally and helpful for them too um and helps build an ecosystem of mutuality that I think is being neglected in our day and age where everything is individualist and I don't really like that word transactional because I feel like it's overused I think people undermine the fact that almost everything we do and everything we have been doing for our entire lives is transactional people just tend not to give unless they're getting because at the end of the day humans need things and and to get those things they're required to give you know and that's why I don't really subscribe to the whole I have so much stuff to give, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure I've said that to ex-lovers, but it wasn't true because I'm very limited in what I'm willing to share. I have my boundaries because I know how easily um, generosity can slip into... resentment or despair because you've done too much and you haven't gotten anything back and why deny yourself that basic human need of reciprocity you'll need it you know and um I've I've become less enmeshed with markers of identity so it's not about um heritage ethnic ethnicity to me it's not about religion to me, it's not about sexuality to me, it's not about class to me, it's just about you being you and not worrying or obsessing over um, how or what your labels are. Now, of course, I'm probably speaking from a place of privilege, right? I'm a cis woman who presents as such and um, decent social standing um I'm still working class but I I'm probably doing economically better than um a few many of my peers considering 50% of black kids I'm not even a kid anymore but for the fact that 50% of black children are growing up in poverty just tells you enough about the economic prospects for the black community you know even just to get a decent job you're doing better than most. Um, I might say a decent job, I mean the average salary, because most black people are not making the average salary um, because our parents were immigrants and had to do low-skilled, lower-paid careers despite being way more qualified or educated than even us sometimes because not all of us can even afford higher or further education to get masters and stuff. But um, I feel like when we, when we are even writing CVs or on social media, we're constantly being forced to self-declare, we're constantly being forced or rather encouraged to um, confess and 
and assess ourselves. Um, and I don't think it's necessary to constantly tell people, like, I'm happy, I'm sad. Because these things are transient. Um, I am ugly, I'm beautiful. Because these things are usually observations related to feelings that will quickly change, you know. And then what will happen is that someone will try to hold you to account for making that statement, for feeling you felt in that moment, because you felt the need to to put it in writing and for some reason when you put something in writing people just think it's way more legitimate you know like do you think a tweet should be used against you in court some people will argue you would you know because nowadays it's being captured in the law that stuff you say online actually does matter and uh, you have to be very very mindful of it so I am personally trying to (laughs) steer away from self-declarations that are unintended because they're not necessary um I can just be as I am and not label myself unnecessarily um so I'll keep my as a vow I've made to myself to keep all my biographies clear empty not including my age not including my career only my only my name which is hopefully going to stay the same forever and maybe a link to some thing I've created that is good so that someone can engage with what I've said. Because there's no amount of um, tweets, there's no amount of Instagram posts that can really, how do I say it? Um, uh, how do I say it? There's no amount of tweets or Instagram posts that can condense the brev, uh, say the brevity, the uh, the expansiveness of what I feel and what I think, and um, I'm not gonna try and contain myself anymore. It's just not that it, it's not wrong. It's nothing wrong with these mediums. They're just too minimal for my complexity, let's say, and um, that is okay. I no longer seek to be understood, or I just seek to be respected at the very least. So. That includes being seen in person when I'm with people, being spoken to, um, being touched, being held, being hugged, you know, and doing very physical things, swimming, hiking, moving around, because I find that when I'm alone, my body gets really tensed up, and um, I, I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I just, I don't want these, I don't want another tier of citizenship with this metaverse trying to convince people that they can own things digitally, things that they're never going to see or tangibly touch, right? And that, I know that complexity because when you study things like land law, they often present to you these intangible rights that no one has physical claim to, it's more about relational claims, you know, and um, I feel like in life, I, I want to hold things. You want to be around people. We're, we're pushing into a generation of intangibility where it's like, you know, I own this thing online that no one else can see. Oh, is, that, is it that bad? Is it that bad? You know, NFTs and virtual assets. 
it's just giving sims it's giving simulation um anyways i'm talking a lot i think social mobility in britain is inherently entwined with culture and culture has hierarchy whether we like or not you know at the end of the day when you are trying to move up in society naturally that will be completely related to race because people at the top of society are english in in in, in england and the the markers of their class are financial cultural um economic political social and whether we like it or not when we start being socially mobile we unconsciously start adopting those markers of cultural and social standing and you'll see that in people's predilection for clothing for music for friendship groups for leisure for sports um you just can't get away from it so to pretend it's just not honest and um i've decided to accept it as it is and tap out in some elements and tap in in some elements to get me where i need to be because at the end of the day i need to survive that's the most important thing and um I think Ghana's going to be a huge part of me growing up because visiting there will allow me to bridge these parts of my identity that I most likely squash when I'm in Western environments and I can very much unleash unapologetically when I'm in predominantly black African environments um, as a whole, as a country, because I am like this amongst my friends, but in wider society, it would be nice to be like this and not be a spectacle and an example wherever I go, you know? So I'm trying to educate myself, unlearn a lot of things and Although I understand, like, even in Clive Davis's documentary, I know, it's un- I know it's important to find role models. I'm trying not to aspire to be people. I just rather would take elements of what they have and what they're good at and apply them to my own life because I need to be me at the end of the day, and that's special in itself. Me choosing to be me is a radical act. I don't know who me is. I don't pretend to know who me is, but I know that there is a lot more to learn. I mean, even being a multi as they say, tribal, ethnic, um, multi-tribal, I hate the word tribal, but, you know, ethnic group, um, the Ghanaian makes it hard for me in terms of language and personality in who I should be. But I'm not reducing any parts of myself. I'm just allowing each part to flourish and tapping into each part as and when necessary. And I'm... I'm very aware of the current of xenophobia that's happening, um, not just in Britain, but also in Ghana. There's just um, 
a suspicion towards those, especially from the West, who come. And um, I know that most people might see xenophobia as such a negative thing, and I do as well. I think it's just so normal to me because I've seen so many cultures and groups being scapegoated in Britain. I'm not surprised when that same approach is taken in other countries. It's almost a natural uh, but negative, uh, natural but negative decision that people decide to take when they are monolithic and 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 see otherness as enemy instead of as enrichment or positivity you know um i saw what the artist rapper shatawale in uh, ghana said like about his fear of like all this 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 disgruntlement with Nigerian musicians and I'm not going to tap into that but I think it's this idea of otherness that really bothers people um, I see the same sentiment of Britain being critical of its own immigrants and deciding to name them immigrants as opposed to expats and um constantly weaponizing their presence as something to be eradicated as the source of all problems instead of looking at the root of as to why because even if so-and-so demographic has contributed to some ill of society there is often an underlying reason for that that I think is often linked to poverty and miseducation and a bunch of other things and I don't have the time to go into that um, because we'd be here all day but it's never just a surface thing it's never just labeling a community without doing a deep dive into who they are you know I'm, I'm not like that I would never want to do that but um, I'm trying to not just live in books I'm trying to live so I can actually have something to talk about because it's hard to actually have something to talk about if you don't actually live. Um, I want people to have good living conditions. I want people to have good wages. I want them to have good transport links and infrastructure. But I also know that we can't constantly blame others for our inadequacies that's a personal thing too it seems like it's I do wonder the relationship between personal life and professional life and political life are all interwoven because truly I think the same way people dispose of careers you know they're not attached to those they transpose that behavior to their personal lives um okay so I don't want to be in this career for long I'm a temporary worker so I don't need to have this girlfriend for long she's a temporary person 
And then that could even become political. You know, I don't want to live in this country anymore. I'm just going to migrate. Like, any time you face an issue, it's never to be challenged or overcome. It's just to be disposed of, you know. And that's a that's a problem that if you, if you continue to do, you might live a, um, a, an unproblematic life because every time you see a problem, you run away. But if it definitely doesn't speak to healthy... Um, long-term relationships and connections, responsibility, or conflict resolution, which are natural parts of life. And um, until we realise that the person is so much like the politic and so much like the profession, well, then we're constantly going to continue these very difficult behaviours, perpetuating bad par- par- bad paradigms until 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 either someone calls us out or we reach something that's insurmountable or people resent us or we just have no connections in the end you know um people are very bitter and they want to make everyone else feel like that um, and I refuse to feel like that because my life's too short, you know, where I see it as a black British Westerner. If I go back and I start helping the kids, they're going to say I have a saviour complex. If I go back and I go to the tourist resort, they're going to complain that um, I'm not in touch with the local people. The way I see it is that the local people aren't artefacts, right? And that's what goes back to the Kojo Koram saying, like, culture being a living thing because if it's true that culture is a living thing then we must respect it and and understand that it has a right to life independent of us so me going back to Ghana me looking at the local people right they're human beings so you can study I'm 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 a pseudo-anthropologist at heart you can study the community's ways to feel better informed about yourself and practice some of the uh, norms for your own fulfillment and health but you also need to understand and respect it as a living thing and that some traditions that you have experienced die and are reborn or live and don't want to be seen by you you know like it's it's a mixture because if it's a living thing then it can die but it also has the right to not be bothered you know and um i think people don't realize that i don't want to go to antiochosia and Nakola market and start asking her about my heritage when she as a human being just wants to live you know and i should leave her to it you know, I'm not going to go to a forest and walk around without a tour guide. I'm better off with a tour guide because I need some level of guidance in a foreign country because I don't know what is going on. And as much as I might have some claim or right to that land ancestrally, as of today, I'm living in another um, jurisdiction. And I don't even have claim to that land either because last time I checked, 
crown owns everything um so what is really mine and even if it is mine can i even take it to the grave with me when we visit london as tourists i think we understand that the people there are not to the people there are not to be asked questions you know i don't think of australians who have english descent coming to london and asking local people about the area and expecting responses partly because londoners are just rude and ignorant but because we understand that people are not always information vaults to be mined and sometimes they don't know the history of where they live which kind of links to the colston statue right the colston four and um that very highly political situation that talks about this war of being woke, the woke war that is blighting all of our cultural artefacts without actually acknowledging the fact that these artefacts represent um, the oppression of a people that have to face and live through this every day, you know. The part, the, 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 the pub that is not too far from my house, I mean... You just have to Google it. You have to Google the name of it to know what exploitative industries that individual was involved in, and understand that every time you take a swig of swig of Carlsberg in that place, well, so what are you doing? Are you are you unconsciously perpetuating, you know, your people's oppression by? by dining and, and celebrating uh, these these leaders, you know? No one's going to tell you until you do your research and you realise even the road name that you're named after it literally has something to do with the oppression of a people. And the sooner that's accepted, the better, quite, quite simply. Um, I'm personally not bothering with um, unpacking all of these things except for the sake of education and redirection so it's more like okay now I know this I'm not gonna give my time or attention or money to this I'd rather just put it elsewhere you know won't catch me in a pub willingly but um (laughs) but um we gotta realize that even some of our favorite leaders African-Americans like James Baldwin living in France, the south of France of all places, right? Nina Simone was living in Liberia with a Tunisian boyfriend. Like The the way we question ourselves today, are we even questioning our previous people? For me personally, I'm not doing that because we can all do as we please. Um... I just would find it really strange if an Australian came knocking on my door and said, you know, my great-grandmother might have lived here because my ancestors come here. Can I come and look to your council flat to um, connect with my identity? And I mean that, that in the sense that, try not to be sarcastic. What I'm saying is... What I'm saying is, is that it's quite an entitled view to assume that 
we should just connect with locals, right? We should just walk through the forest, right? Because I'm not escorting people through Epping Forest to get a better taste of London. Most people, when they go abroad, are trying to see the landmarks, and that's okay. You know, you can feel the spirit of Nkrumah on Kokote Beach, you know? You can feel Ya Santoa last year at Bloom Bar, you know, maybe that stool is the golden stool, you know, Who's gonna, who can actually talk to you if you feel your ancestors as soon as you step off the plane, you know, don't live in such a mystic theory that you think that bloody, who do you think you are, and Henry Louis Gates, are responsible for um, how your life is going to be conducted when you move through the world. Not everyone's going to stop and tell you the history of it, you know? And yeah. And that's important for me to share. Um, What else was I going to say? Um, I just don't want people to be caught up into the negative Nancys and miserable, morose people. They want you to sit in misery all day. And um, they sometimes themselves don't even know what's happening in the contemporary culture. Everything they know is historical, but they can't tell you about what's going on today. Do you know why? Because they don't exist in those places and times, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all hypocritical. Half the people that are talking have masters from universities that profited from slave trade. And I don't want to be the person that says, oh, um, I don't want to be that person that says, oh, um, everything that you do is related to capitalism, racism, therefore you're wrong. But more so understanding that there are a lot of contradictions that we must be aware of. And just because a very wizened person with a lot of information wrote an article or a dissertation that got a very high mark about what we should do, that doesn't mean that we should necessarily do it. It doesn't mean it's right. You know, we are all just theorizing and experimenting and questioning and we don't actually know and that's okay nobody's gotten it right if we've gotten it right then there'd be nothing to there'd be nothing to campaign for there'd be nothing to um experiment with you know This ain't freedom writers, and none of us are Hillary Frank going to the hood to connect with the people. You know, we're just sometimes you're just going for a holiday, right? In a place where people look like you. Because most people, when they visit London, are not going to Brixton or Peckham Estate, where people are working class and don't have money. You know? So expecting other people to do so. I understand it in theory, 
but then it says a lot about what we see identity to be you know so does black identity mean an automatic entrance into people's indigenous native cultures is it because i'm black someone should just let me in their house because they too are black that's a level of familiarity that i don't even think exists because as much as i love pan-africanism in bits in in practice i don't know if it's sustainable you know because there is so much diversity on the continent there's so much diversity within nations to expect them to even overreach their differences feels like a tall order so yeah I am not really down with the constant intellectualism. Um, And I do think that so much of intellectualism denies humanity because you shouldn't be mocking someone who says they had a spiritual experience in their country just because you don't think that it's intellectually or politically correct, you know, because it's not accurate. Life isn't accurate. People fall in love with bloody drug dealers that's not accurate you know but again platitudes and sweeping statements about who deserves what and constant assessments as social media encourages you to do critic criticize and 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 question yourself just be yeah it's not really helping the situation at all personally I feel like the way we are caught up in our insular selves and ideas and communities, that loneliness is going to blight our community because it's already happening, right? People are opting to live alone because of toxic family structures. But when you live alone, you run the risk of dying alone. And um, that is so diametrically opposed to what a lot of black communities believe in, which is community so it's not something that I personally ever want to tap into I don't ever want to live alone willingly I feel like I have a whole life to be alone in death or upon retirement I don't want to do it whilst I'm in my early 20s you know um but you can tell people feel like there's no one out there to help them and that's why they're focusing on digital communities but then you get people kind of making money off of that um, with weird parasocial dynamics on different platforms, sometimes for monetization, sometimes for engagement, and it keeps them going. It feeds them. And whether it's self-serving or not, if there is no solution from it, then it becomes uncomfortable. You know, I was really proud to see... I was really, really proud to see um, Eve Cornwell quit her job as a lawyer and go forward with what she wants to do in law tech because you got to realise that sometimes the job that you thought you wanted to do or the person you wanted to be isn't who you're supposed to be for now. Even Clive Davis recognizing that he was bisexual later on in life in that documentary I'm always proud like 
your life is not static. If you're the same person that you were at 21, at 91, that's always a good thing, it's always a bad thing, but growth is important. Transformation is essential. And um, I want people to really tap into that, you know, um, and, and, and explore themselves without shame. Um, and with the conf- and with the with the safety net of protection and health and care from people that do love them, and not just a bunch of people that don't genuinely mind if they lived or died. You know, this is probably one of the longest episodes yet. I'm just trying to be as comprehensive as I can be because I've had so many thoughts, and I'm felt like I had to compile them all in this episode before I get on with my work um I think it's important to explore I think it's important to question I want people to transform I feel like so much of uh who we are today is just remixes of who we were before you know, even the music that we listen to. I was telling my friend this the other day, like, so much of contemporary music is just remixes of 80s, 70s, 90s and 60s um, sounds because everyone's afraid to create new ones, you know? And that familiarity of that old sample is sometimes what people are enjoying when they're playing the song from today's era. They're not even enjoying the actual song. And um, Quincy Jones had a really good Vulture article about it. And uh, people don't play instruments anymore. They don't play with chords. They don't go back to basics. They have very high-tech technology that kind of has an assortment of sounds that have been created from instruments, but it doesn't... It doesn't... go far enough in experimentation which is why I really do enjoy singers like Adele who use their voices as instruments who go back to basics because at the end of the day that's how I feel you know a live band can take me farther than any uh, equipment in the studio that doesn't actually come from the plucking of a string or the blowing of a wind pipe, you know? But that's just me. Um, yeah, I think people are becoming increasingly insular. And I think so much of the world is a numbers game, so I don't think that's a good idea. I do think if people do want to continue that way, they'll understand that not everyone's going to believe or see it from your point of view. And I, I'm, I'm upset about that because I feel like even the most niche perspective, you should at least understand. You don't have to agree. But um, everyone has decided upon themselves, right? Because we're in a self-righteous time and everyone feels like they're, their back's against the wall. Um, you... People are afraid to blur lines and try new things 
and adopt new behaviors. In fact, they're quite terrified because the person they were before doesn't uphold. It feels like when you're being held to account, you've said you're one version, that you can't change and grow, which is just ridiculous because you're doing nothing but growing in this life. You should adapt and change as the times adapt and change, hopefully for the better. Some things are core to humanity, you know, communication, love, the way people desire that, the way the appetite for that will always remain, right? It's indisputable. But a lot of things are coming back, you know, throwbacks from the past. It can feel very, well, cyclical. That the things from the past are just repeating themselves. Constant deja vu. You know, I want people to be dynamic. I want people to see gaps in the market and say, I'm going to fill that with something that's never been done before. But as I spoke to my dad the other day, you can't reinvent the wheel. Some things are just super duper original. And those things are rare. Most people are just adapting things that already exist. You know, you get a phone, you're just going to make it smaller and lighter. But the actual contraption of a phone, well, it started as a box, you know, and then it became smaller and smaller and smaller. They're not reinventing the phone, they're just making it more convenient. You know, when I was vacuuming today or yesterday, I thought to myself, you know, there should be a machine I could just put on the floor and someone should be able to remote control it. So that would really help elderly people, disabled people, and then obviously just make it convenient for others, maybe even children. But my dad was like, it already exists. It's like, because the vacuum exists, of course someone was going to make a remote control version. You know what I mean? We need to be open to innovation, right? And understand that history, yes, is one way. And it can be preserved and respected and documented. But there are other things doesn't mean that things can't change for today and it's just about what we change that's important to uphold because it doesn't have to be primeval or primitive if it doesn't adapt to today's times that's how it feels that is how it feels but I've been talking for like an hour and a half right now my god, this is probably the longest. I'm really proud of this podcast though, because I had a lot to say. A lot to say. Um, and I'm looking forward to just clearing things from my head the way I'm clearing things from my house, you know. Looking at my kitchen, I just hate it. I'm just like, I want to get the renovation for that done soon. First the bathroom, then get rid of a bunch of books and just be like a Kindle babe. And um really just yeah, move forward with my life. Might get a new bed as well. Just update after update after update. Um, and this pandemic hasn't allowed me to really do that to the extent I need to. It's very cold and it's very dark early and there are still many restrictions, but the moment those get lifted, I'll be able to do a lot more with my life and I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, 
So till then, daily tasks. And I'm just trying to embrace it. Day by day. Ah, it's hard. I talk so much. Ah. I just talk to myself for hours and hours and hours. Like... I'm going crazy sometimes, but I just I have to get everything off of my mind. I feel like I'm running out of time, as I said in Hamilton. Community matters, but I understand that sometimes the time span on which I'm working is not feasible. I can't be talking to people until 3 a.m. in the morning because I have stuff on my mind. I have to deal with that on my own because, you know, it's not fair. Um... I want to be online and offline. But I, mean, I know I'm an absolutist. So it's either one or the other. I don't want people to focus too much on the digital world when we are still flesh and blood, right? And we are just so much more than the legacies we leave online. I mean, there's so much more than what we say of ourselves and how we present ourselves. Like, the way people perceive us is so far beyond the posts that we produce and the things we say there's so much between the lines and um I've never cared for visibility or to be understood I just want to be productive and create as much as I can sometimes I'm, I'm at a loss often I'm at a loss and um my friends help me with that you know and I try to see them regularly uh going out to eat budget-friendly events, um, going to cultural and art venues just to be able to interpret more, get better at language, get better at communication, get better at consumption. And, um, yeah, I guess that's all I'll say. I'm very thirsty. And, um, I'm realising the things that bring us together are more than the things that set us apart. Sometimes. But to pretend that everyone's going to understand it, you know, Jill Scott Heron said that the revolution will not be televised. Which I feel means, like, it's not going to be accessible to everybody. I know what he meant in the literal terms, but also... Not everyone's gonna get with the wave, you know. Not everyone boycotted the Bristol, um, sorry, the Montgomery bus. Some people were like, you know, I gotta get to work. Not everyone's gonna be able to swing with the left wing thing. Um, and I want Ghana, like many other countries, like many other people, to produce new things, like myself, not to rest on its past laurels. There's so much more to do. So many more places to go. And I'm looking forward to that. And um, I want to people to continue disrupting gender boundaries and ideas of identity and just be more malleable and liquid with it 
things don't have to be fixed. We don't have to separate ourselves. We can find commonality in pretty much everything. Because at the end of the day, we are the human species. Um, I don't want people to follow into the footsteps or likes of people that don't care for their them genuinely. I want people to have good role models and good influences. But I'm also aware that sometimes people don't have that in their own personal lives. So they look for that online or in other spaces. But I need people to understand that if someone is monetizing off of you, then they might not have your best interests at heart. And you might have to deduce it for yourself because what the world presents is not always right for you because you might be a special marginalised demographic, a different kind of person beyond the default typical individual, you know? With all our diversities, with all our differences. It's not going to be linear. The freedom is not going to be linear. It will be a series of events. um, Constantly changing and collapsing. Cataclysmic is the word, I think. So... I don't want people to be used, I don't want people to be capitalised off or marketed like ah, artificial like artificialities for human beings we eat, breathe, we feel it hurts I don't want people to allocate their identity to their job so that when they lose their job, their whole self-worth whole self-worth dismantles, and then they have to completely rebuild. You know, you have to see yourself through the lens of your humanity. But you also have to realise that the job you do, the hours you spend at that place are a huge portion and it's got to be worth it, you know. So yeah. I don't want to sound like the uppity Western Ghanaian girl from abroad, you know, the in it, in it, everywhere. But I just want people to really tap into humanity more, man. Like, hug a friend. You know, like, people cry over the dumbest things in the world. So if someone's crying at such a major event to do with ancestral bondage, I mean, who, who, you, who are you to undermine that? You know, and people cry over stubbed toes and their hair not going right. Yeah, I don't have to prove myself because I'm black. I don't have to prove I'm smart because people presume my race is dumb. I just want to be me. You know, want to live within my budget. I want to be my working class life I want to be a woman who can do what she wants without worry I don't want to have to constantly self-assess and when I do reflect I want it to be done in the safe space of growth from a place of love and development and not from 
pseudo accountability, which is really just one-upmanship. And I told you so. So yeah, I'm going to seek to do that. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to tap away from misanthropy and really engage with the beauty of humanity, not just appearance and aesthetically, but on a deeper core level. And I want to continue to do that by exploring art and connecting with other human beings who are different to me to find the things that bond us and we'll get sucked into these negative insular spaces that don't allow us to explore our most diverse selves because we are so caught up in being right we don't do anything you know perfectionism is a myth it's all about the culture for me which requires production and reflection and that means moving forward so yeah i think i'm done with this episode i would hope so like i said it's my longest but i'm really proud of it i think it's my most comprehensive So I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me talk at length about all of these topics. And I hope I made some kind of sense. I don't even know what this episode is going to be called. I just know that there's so much more in life that I have to achieve and I'm really excited to do it. But I'm also very tired. And I can't let tiredness be the reason as to why I no longer do things, you know. Everything I do is unconsciously political because so much of what I do in Britain is implicated with whiteness. So I've accepted that. But but now I also have to build from that, you know, make something of it. It's one thing to reject a person. What about to get a new one? You know, you have to procure something new and um, do something new, so... Hopefully, I shall get there. Um, yeah. All right, Corks. I think, I think you're done. Corks has finished talking for tonight. Um, I am... Pumped for life. Really enjoying this. and yeah okay I think I'll be done I'm just my mind is slipping you know you feel your mind slipping like and you just can't end it I should just end it so again thank you so much for listening to this episode of me and um I hope I can preserve some of the things I've said for my future self for these future me letters I've written and um that's this is my own personal form of accountability that will go to some use in the future god willing so, yeah, I hate to be that person that compares, you know, cultural production or reflection or documentation, but I want us to all be more intentional about being ourselves, presenting ourselves, without necessarily naming ourselves, 
and just doing what we want to do without explanation and um, understanding that of course sometimes you do want to explain to people why you did things and whatever if they ask you but just not always having to take upon ourselves to do that because sometimes you just don't know and it's okay to say you know you're in the space between not being aware and not knowing how to articulate it as opposed as opposed to pretending and having to double down it on you know so yeah i'm removing myself from some of these social spaces for a while and um i'm hoping to see you all soon later on joking joking um yes thank you so much for listening and um take care bye bye